0: Greetings, ladies and metal gents, and welcome to the latest narration of the web series The Nature of Redditors. If you are new to the series, there is a playlist listed down below in the description. And as always, I hope that you enjoy. Chapter 144 Memory Transcription Subject Onzo Yotel Technical Specialist Date Standardized Human Time February 21st, 2137 After a lengthy tour aboard the UNS Rosanente, under Captain Janice Monaghan's Directive, it was wonderful to have time to myself at home with Lyran. My place of residence had once been a quaint family city, built around the sales of a staple grain called Erd. After Papa refused to adopt the industrial techniques of Federation agriculture, our crop farm had been outcompeted by those who acquiesced to the aliens' ways. Our land was lost within a few years of the exterminator's arrival, and my father toiled in construction work in his old age. It involved grueling, back-breaking tasks to build the very machinations he so despised. That farm that had been in my family for dozens of generations was gone, never to be passed down to me or my brother, Monar. It wasn't like I had any interest in agricultural professions, beyond perhaps tinkering with some automated tractors to complete the work for me. While I loved the innovation, The knowledge I soaked up from the Federation wasn't worth the loss of my culture and the two decades as a zombie under their predator disease medications. If I could do it all over again, I would have stayed and helped Papa with the farm, forsaking my true passion. But then, I wouldn't have never met Tyler. Tyler might be adult, but he never judges me or speaks ill of my culture. The humans have been wonderful. The village of Rinsa was once the pride and joy of his side of the small continent, with the yodel-built train tracks that allowed us to chug across the landmass in a day. The bullet trains in the place could now zip across the island in an hour. I could still picture the original railroad being blown up during the celebration speech, as my Gojit engineering instructor goaded me on. The harbor was barely visible behind the new steel buildings, and any green space that had been present was taken up by digitised clutter. The Federation hated water sports, perhaps why Mama's boat had mysteriously caught on fire one night, as much as I missed home. There was an inescapable sadness whenever I toured the sights. New plays at the Tail Twine Theatre, first time in over twenty cycles. A bold groomed yodel paced the streets ahead of me, passing out pamphlets to passerby's. I remembered the last play I'd seen, A Strange Tale where the crops came alive and attacked anyone who tried to harvest them. A predatory story, if you ask the Federation. Toldeo's Feud, a classic work of drama and stage choreography about two warring kingdoms based on the grain walls. I considered grabbing a pamphlet, but I didn't want to carry it throughout my meeting with a respectable human. My desire to go to the performance was born of nostalgia, and spite for the Federation as much as anything. It wasn't as if I couldn't acquire an advertising handout on my way home. It wasn't clear why the imperialist aliens took such offense to plays, other than looking down on it as a primitive form of entertainment. Visual mediums like television and movies were just better, after all. I suppose it was a good way to suppress old texts that didn't align with their ideas. What would the humans think of the theatre? I mused aloud, ignoring the strange looks from people i passed. They have media that's beyond realistic, run by computer graphics. Perhaps they'd think a bunch of props on a stage are stupid, though they haven't had that response to anything of ours yet. There were a handful of Terrans in sight on the streets, but I decided to restrain my curiosity. These poor primates were out enjoying a stroll, and didn't want to get interrupted by an energetic yodel peppering them with questions. I focused instead on the graffiti art on closed down Federation buildings, which was something we'd learned from Earth. The exterminator office had been shuttered once and for all, when an all alien occupiers were sent out forcibly by our military. I could see that the institution was almost ready to reopen as a recruiter's office. The Yodel technology, now a part of the Sapien Coalition, was to be taken seriously at long last. The arrival of the humans had given us an opportunity to throw off the Federation's yoke. Everyone who was born before first contact despised what the aliens were doing to learn. Our planet's once gorgeous wildlife was turned to cinders by trigger-happy exterminators, burning anything that challenged their narrative. I was grateful that the Terrans were keen on conservation. That was the exact reason I'd agreed to meet up with the renowned Dr. Sarah Rosario at the Polary Lab in the village's Heart. Sarah's words fell on deaf ears with the vendor, but we're happy to accept to help rebuilding the ecosystem we used to have. Fresh off the positive results she helped acquire at the summit, that should leave her riding high. Her talents won't be wasted on land. Were I not committed to the military's next orders, I would have loved to devote myself to aiding this project despite it being well outside my usual purview. If I framed the environment as a machine with cohesive parts, perhaps I could assess what forces drove the greater whole and how to fix the degradation. The supposed savage predators understood more about nature than any race I'd encountered. I trusted humanity to salvage as many animals as possible. It seemed it wasn't the flesh-eaters who had utter disregard for lesser life. I ducked into a sprawling research campus, which now featured outdoor enclosures to accommodate lifeforms. Curiously, the Terrans had brought pets from Earth to supplement our native customs. The Yodel government had given clearance for the UN to use its discretion on what to bring. Inside, I could see more creatures that looked like dogs with varying forms. On a stranger note, a small animal that could fit in a human's hand was yapping at a massive canine. This seemed to scare the much bigger mutt. I found Dr. Rosaria waiting on a couch, and without bothering with pleasantries, I pointed at the tiny, screeching thing. I know the black and brown thing is some sort of dog, like I saw in the military. What is the little thing called? The human narrowed her eyes before chuckling with amusement. That's also a dog. I know they look nothing alike. The breed diversity is staggering. I won't pretend that we weren't involved with that. Onza, right? We met at the facility. But all you it all look alike to you. I imagine you get the locals working here mixed up too. Don't worry. I can't tell humans with genetic hair mops apart either. Hair mops? I swear I've heard Tyler call them mops. Like the cleaning tool, um, which some of you definitely look like. <laughs> well, I suppose it's better to look like a cleaning mop than an evil predator. I'd stick with calling it a hairdo or a haircut. But back to your point. There's some humans that look like doppelgangers, even to me. I'm glad you understand. I perked my ears to signal common ground. It was the same for me with species that came from the Federation. You have to spend a lot of time around a certain ones to pick up on their individual quirks. The way we know our dog from someone else's. Even if it's the same breed. Uh, not, not to say that sapiens are pets. Don't worry. I loved my Hensa. She was a sweet thing, a light god. After seeing Sarah's confused reaction, I racked my brain for a human equivalent. Like angels, I think. Noble spirit that watch over the yodel. Tyler must have taught you a lot about human culture, to know that. Hardly. I researched quite a bit of my own before I'd even signed up for the exchange program. If I was going to Earth to help through rebuilding your cities or military service, it would be inconsiderate to not learn the basics of your culture. I didn't want to snub my nose at your customs like the wretched Federation did to us. You're exceptional in that regard. The Yodel are quite laid back and open minded, but few have gone the extra mile to pass our cultural references. And uh, humans have gone to great efforts to relate to us and other life forms. I confess, I did it because uh, I was curious rather than any higher ideal. A man after my own heart, Anza. Now, Not to cut you off, because I would love to keep talking as we walk. but should I give you a tour of our operation? Gladly. Don't worry, I understand what you said earlier about not being allowed to take any hints personally. Preserving the species with the care and objectivity is the most important. Sarah's lips curved upward in that customary human expression, which always registered to my gaze as both a firebrand statement of defiance against Federation norms and a grateful note of politeness imparted with a split second. It was obvious when the so-called snoll was malicious. Their eyes never lied about their emotions. Those forward-facing orbs were clear as a reflection pool. Mike trotted off to the scientist with the glee of a five-year-old, eager to see a henser out of my mind's eye. It had been so long that I didn't trust my memory, especially after the fossil doctor altered my brain with the numbing pills. I attempted to return my focus to the primates, the only aliens who'd ever treated us as equals. Hundreds of civilizations were worth a pile of manure in my book, while the humans were a priceless gift. Despite other herbivores labelling Lerner backwater, we had received the second highest total of Terran immigrants, behind only the refugee-laden Skulgar. Many were engineers working on raising our own Momada from the shipyards. There was another project I wished to play a part in. The Federation had herded us away from building any warships to avoid disrupting the notion that we were powerless, brainless primitives. Wouldn't it be the greatest insult of Yodel in collaboration with humanity, approved upon the tech the Federation lorded over us? We already helped devise several ideas, including the crushing shield-breaking missiles. Sarah, if you'll hear me, I do have a recent question that my past research overlooked. I reminded myself that there was no shame in our societal development or low tech endeavors. What mattered is that they were ours. If humanity were going to mock our arts and culture, they weren't the species that I thought they were. I remember Hazy said something about humans having ancient theaters. Exactly how ancient were they? Do you have any recollection of what Terran stage plays were like? The curly haired scientist squinted with confusion. Were well, like? Theater is one of the oldest forms of entertainment. But you misunderstood me, I think. It's not gone. For one example, back when New York was still around, there were numerous Broadway plays which were well regarded in many circles. Really? Um, sorry to sound so surprised. I just figured you'd think they'd outdated, like the other aliens. The Federation are a bunch of judgmental killjoys. Don't you know that by now? Just because newer, fancier ideas exist, doesn't mean older stuff can't have its charm. I agree. I just asked because our playhouses are reopening after being shuttered for years. It interests me in what your Broadway plays were like. There was some where there were dramas and such, but it was most well known for musicals. You know, actors sing songs to advance the story while doing choreographed, synchronized dances. I stifled a snort of laughter, lingering on the mental image. Which herbivore wrote those for you? Everyone knows predators aren't capable of something so sentimental and dorky. I know you're joking, but if you ask the Feds, it's all part of our master plan. If how off-key Tyler sings reflects on all humans, uh, it's a part of your plan to make sapiens clutch our ears in agony. Sarah snickered for a brief moment as we stepped into a restricted wing of the research facility. I halted my tracks as my gaze focused on a couch where a tan henser with jagged black stripes was prancing atop it the once-beloved near-extinct pet brushed up against the back of one human's head and niffed at its yellow. The primate was laughing, teeth visible from ear to ear. There was no question about how this Terran felt about our old friends. A few humans were down on all fours playing with yarn and laser pointers, while the more sedentary humanoids allowed the henses to settle on their laps. The adoration was mutual. The small animals seemed fond of the Terrans, Perhaps because of their willingness to afford attention. It used to be said that henses were excellent judges of character. Watching an earthling scratch a rumbling pet's forward facing ears, a predator trait that the humans curiously lacked, I wondered whether they wouldn't keep our non sapient pearls for their own people. Certainly, beats breaking into our homes and burning them alive in front of us, feck the Federation. For the small number of Yodel who'd been able to harbor henses all these years, it must have been difficult to persuade them to hand their companions over to the Terrans. However, witnessing the care afforded by the arboreal allies, I believe these scientists could give us a fighting chance to bring back the most culturally significant species on learn. It was the only way to ensure the Hens' numbers were padded, and that future generations could enjoy their company once more. Perhaps if the pest-cutting hunters flourished here again, Humans might transport a few back to Earth for adoption. We love these little guys, Hanzo. How could even the feds hurt such cutie pies? Zara approached the couch Terran, picking up the hansa. I pretended not to notice her voice climb in pitch, and in turn she passed the tan animal into my shaking paws. We brought some puppies and kittens, our darlings from Earth. You could adopt a few of them in the meantime, while we're repopulating the henses. I am glad that you invited me here to see this, sir. Uh, you're doing good work. I pulled my paw tight around the hens' petty, scared to drop her. Tears swelled my eyes as the graphic memories of my pet burning returned. Ah, uh, Tyler has, has a big dog. Uh, a Great Dane. Uh, that thing could swallow a human's hand. Uh, he left the gentle giant with his dad while we deployed. Maybe for good. It's difficult for pets to be relocated. They don't understand. It's kind to force that change of scenery on them as little as possible. Yeah, uh, if I get to retire from the military service one day, I'd like to adopt a big canine like his. Nobody's ever messed with me again. And someday, maybe I could have another answer, preferably before I die. Leon can be our world like it used to be. You want to make all of that a reality. I could put in a word with the UN, get them a call of favor with your government. I could ask for you to be sent right here. You've seen as much direct action as any yodel, from what I've heard. A true hero. We owe you the chance to help you with the rebirth. The renaissance of Lian. My head tilted sideways, considering her words. You would do that, Sarah. That sounds wonderful. I mean, I do want to kick the feddies in the teeth, but I could use a... A break from all that. We finished the fossil off, we exposed the info in the archives. I could be useful here now. It's your choice. You can think on it. I don't need an answer today. But I'd love the chance to work with you, and pick your brain as one science obsessed individual to another. Just like my work with the cattle rescues is done, maybe your stint to the stars has reached its end too. Okay, uh uh not to sound greedy, because I am grateful for the opportunity to help, but uh does this pay? Papa needs to retire, and I can't make that happen without a steady salary. The human pioneer took the hensa from me and passed a note into my paws in its place. I looked up how to write in yodel numerals, and I didn't misprint a thing. I nearly choked on my own saliva as I skimmed across the six-figure number in sloppy handwriting. Sarah couldn't be serious. The difference this could make my family's life not only serve Lian, but I could have the financial means to support all of my loved ones. It was difficult to think of a reason to redeploy. If Dr. Rosaria could follow through on her promise to transfer me here. Unless there was an existential threat in the stars, this was my chance to finally be happy. Tyler, the cantankerous sovereign, and I had earned some time on the sidelines. I was bouncing on my hind legs with excitement before I knew it, and I darted out the lab to avoid embarrassing myself with a celebration. My eyes must have been glowing. As I unclipped the holopad from my belt, that enthusiasm fizzled in a heartbeat when I saw the ominous message from my human best friend, the very person I'd been wanting to contact with good news. My heart sank into my stomach, faced with a difficult decision. Hey Anzo, so uh, looks like I have to go with the UN into Coulson territory. Uh, those bastards have still a neck, and if I don't save the day, Marcel's going to do something stupid. He's supposed to leave stupid things to me, right? Uh, Anyhow, let me know if you're in or if you're out. You don't have to come. Miss you, buckaroo. I could feel bile riles up in my throat as I was torn between loyalty to a friend and a chance at authentic, peaceful life. Offers like the one Sarah presented to me wouldn't come around every day. It was everything I could have dreamed of. However, it had always been a no-brainer that Tyler and I stuck together. How would I feel if I forced the human to ship out without me? and something terrible happened to him. Who would watch his back if I wasn't there? The last thing I wanted was to head back to the war after enduring Co Silas, and Talsk, but my friend was counting on me to accompany him to the most difficult fight yet. Even if Tyler would never say it, he was expecting me to tag along. I'd been adamant over joining him on his perilous rescue mission of Marsal on Silas. Had it not been an exercise in futility, Perhaps I would have mentioned to my buddy that he kept putting himself in harm's way for Mr. Fraser and Slynec. That was just who Tana was, someone who helped out his bros. That was why I knew if the roles were reversed, he would have agreed to join me in a heartbeat. No insensitive or comfort could have swayed his decision. It was also the reason I accepted that I had to turn down the offer of a lifetime and follow my human buddy to offer. A serene existence learn with a monster-sized dog curled up on my bed, would have to wait until after we delivered some justice to the heart of the Federation. End of chapter Memory Transcription Subject Onzo Yodel Technical Specialist Date Standardized Human Time March 3rd, 2137 The march towards Caulshin Territory couldn't happen in a single step. Rather, it was a monumental push throughout the galaxy. The Terrans stopping by Ljern to integrate a handful of Yotl-built ships into their formation proved convenient. I didn't need to ferry myself to Earth when the U.N. were docking above my world. Even if they would never give voice to these sentiments, I knew humans thought most herbivores were liabilities in combat. However, they showed no such reservations about having vessels crewed with our fiery sailors. The minutiae of little bureaucracy were also unique to our relations with Earth. No other species would have dared to host an exchange program on human soil, but millions of our kind were already there for the rebuilding effort. The first meeting took place in a city called Brussels, the heart of some amalgamate faction known as the European Union. Tyler, for a man as lacking in foresight as he was, attempted a delicate tap-dance around prey sensibilities at first. Perhaps the UN's program had suggested such restrictions from the human side, but I suspected my pal drew those conclusions from interacting with Venlo. Regardless, hosting the meetup on Terran ground meant that, despite gushing about all the smallest details of our home, Tyler had never actually seen or set foot in Lyon. I was bouncing with excitement for the tour I had planned. The sole upside of shipping out in this manner was getting to nerd out about my hometown. Finally, an alien who cared about us, or pretended to care. The big guy certainly cared about me, but I knew he'd find my grocery list of fun facts boring. All right, answer, look alive, they're almost here. I perked my ears up there's the shuttle docked in the spaceport, and waved once I spotted the massive human amongst a crowd of sailors docking for a few hours of shore leave. "'Tyler, over here!' The blonde humanoid strolled over with a goofy grin. "'How's it going, buddy? Up top!' I obliged to Terrence's odd tradition of smacking his raised hand and worked my tail. "'I'm glad to finally get to show you around, Leon. "'I know we only have a few hours, so that means we have to got to hurry.' "'I you base yourself on some. You're dealing with a persistence predator.' "'A persistence predator whose diet has been entirely rum and mac and cheese.' Those carbs are going to keep you persistently on your ass. So, you did read my texts. I don't know what I'm supposed to say to a blurry, crooked picture of a half-eaten cup of ramen with a plastic fork in it, and a few noodles hanging over the side. It's called keeping in touch. Not all of us can be... all well, E equals MC squared. Psst. You don't even know what those letters mean. Ouch. All right. All right, you win the ribbon contest. As a reward, I guess I'll let you play with the new video games I brought. This time, I picked ones with turn-based combat. If you smash another controller, I'm gonna make you sit and watch me play. You can't make me do anything, Tyler, but, uh... uh I am sorry about the controllers. It's okay. Not your money you're pressing down the drainy. eh? Easy come, easy go. Quit ragging on me. I don't have great control of my temper. But you know I haven't been able to even feel angry at all for the past twenty years. My neurochemistry is fecked over. When I'd first come off the mind-numbing drugs, it was right after the Yotel technocracy. Voted to join the Terrans, following Noah's speech on offer. The daily screening stopped at my engineering job in a flash. Once the Federation was driven off-world in the Great Reclaiming, Having a name like the Great Reclaiming already was a clear sign about how not great we thought the alien occupiers were. The Vassal had instituted a public government, but when given an out, the Yotl weren't compliant with their maddening decrees. Anyone who manipulated loyalty to the Alien League was ousted, and we sought to make ourselves respectable. After all the horrible things the Federation said about sapient predators, It was obvious it differed from reality. Ambassador Lowlow's report of how the humans stood up for us primitives made it clear that they were the only ones who saw the injustice of it all. Siding with them gave us a fresh start. The current government had settled on the technocracy name in opposition to the primitives jabs that plagued us in the 22 years since our uplift. These new officials were unelected, something Tyler had been surprised I was okay with. It would be a rude awakening to him that people claiming power to overthrow the Federation tyrants were wildly popular. We'd been denigrated for years, and we'd rather have an imperfect government of our own species than one of imperialists. The main focus was centralizing authority across Lian, rather than clinging to those loose, local overseers that the aliens had used to keep us divided. I was just giving a shit, buddy. I didn't mean to strike a nerve. Tyler's expression had become concerned. You should know this already, but I care about you way more than any controller. Handling emotions is hard as feck, even for those of us who've had decades of practice. Heaven makes you feel any better. Grown-ass humans get mad about stupidest shit than that. I still remember how many batshit crazy old men would scream at the poor umpire in my little league games. I have no idea what you're talking about, I responded. The gist of it is, adults get pissed because their kids lose games when they're playing for fun. It doesn't matter. My dad's a nut. Always has been. I'd rather you smash a million controllers than do something that extra. Your stories never seem to translate, but I appreciate you trying. Why don't we get to touring land? Let's go, so. Living geyser of fun facts. I like information, and I like sharing it unprovoked. There's worse things out there. Besides, If we're going to be shipping off to the hardest battle and our time together, this is the one upside. The one upside? What about hanging out with your best friend, Tyler? Eh, I'm kind of indifferent to that part of the trip. Eh, feck you. Bah, lead the way. The blonde human's head was on a swirl as we exited the spaceport, soaking in the digital adverts that remained. I could remember, before the Federation's arrival, Prince's current hub of spacecraft had been home to scribes. The printing press rendered the profession of transcribing or copying documents by hand obsolete. It had been a perfect complex to add to the demolition list and replace with something modern. The location set it a block away from the bullet trains that were built atop the ruins of our railroads. More interestingly to Tyler, some Yodel had dabbled in various terrancultural imports by choice. Tail dyeing was in with the younger crowd. I could see one team with a bright blue tail, which clashed with the reddish fur pass us by. Others took fancy to adorning themselves with shiny objects, and were wearing trinkets around their forearms or necks. That jewelry trend caught on with numerous generations, since hand laborers often bound straps around their wrists in the old days transforming a symbol of the working class into a classy icon had a mass appeal. "'I didn't know aliens dyed their fur,' Tyler remarked. I swished my tail lazily. "'We did, but not weird colours, until we met you crazy primates. "'Some yodel used powdered leaves to conceal grey fur, but not on this continent. "'Age is considered a sign of wisdom here in Rinsa. "'Getting long in the tooth doesn't mean we are wise.' It's about the total sum of your life lessons, and some people don't learn lessons, no matter how long they're taught. Source, my dad exists. You don't like your dad, and you left your dog with him? Well, uh, it's better than a shelter. There's all sorts of abandoned animals running around in the outskirts of the ruined cities. It's sad. Wouldn't do that to old Zeus. Your dog's name? I've done some research into human mythology and understand that nomenculture. We had a pantheon of gods ourselves, you know. There was a handful of followers, up until the feddies decided that they was too primitive to salvage. The old customs were most popular outside the island. One deity was like Zeus, but, uh, I don't understand why Thunder was the king in many human cultures. Because it's loud and a burn shit, and that's cool. I'm pretty sure some mythos had sun gods and all. And there's a lot of top dog creation and death gods too. I don't know who led your pantheon. Ralchi, the god of fire. He was considered the most powerful god, able to melt out or destroy anyone who challenged him. Giver of forms, who lit the very sun. So Ralchi is a sun god of sorts. Your people got that flames in the sky shit pretty right. The sun kinda is a big fireball. We don't consider him a god of the sun, not alone, anyways. Ralchi's priests were adamant about the signs that he'd send. Our lunar satellite isn't the right proportions and distance to have a total eclipse like on Earth. But when the sun had a shadow over it, Rolchi was threatening to take it away. Forests catch on fire, judgement, a building goes up in flames. Rolchi cursed its owner. So, what do you think Rolchi thinks about human fire-eaters? Ralchi doesn't think anything, because he's not fecking real. As for what I think, I think you shouldn't put fire in your mouth, divine or not. Respect nature a little. Well, we do. It's better than the other aliens, who used fire to, uh, Shit, I shouldn't have brought that up. To burn animals alive, it's all right. If Ralchi were real, he'd give those exterminated pricks a taste of their own medicine. Tyler stopped in his tracks, narrowing his eyes. Monzo, so, after what happened to the past month. I just feel obligated to restate that, uh, if you were ever having thoughts about doing something like that, I hope you'd talk to me. Maybe I say all the wrong things, but there's nothing I wouldn't try to help with. I'll be fucking rabid if someone torched Zeus, so I'm not going to give you some pacifist bullshit. Bah, just don't get obsessed with revenge. And don't not reach out. Tyler, I've always talked about hating the feds, but I can assure you, while I struggle with my temper, I'm not going to lose it for the good of Slenek. I'm going to kill those bastards in a disciplined way by highlighting the shit-ass ships on the sensor screen. That's what we're doing, bringing them down. Hell yeah, we're bringing them down the right way too, because we're better than them. I'd say us humans are soft, but that's not really true. It's more that once we open a count of words, doing evil shit, it doesn't get closed. So we don't cross those lines. If you ever feel any way about that, you can tell me. I might even agree with you. That clear? <laughs> well, I do think you are soft, but I can also see that you're better than those immoral colonizing pricks. I have no problem following human orders for all that reason. Even if I don't understand, I trust you. My bluster is just a way of coping with everything they did, and you know that. I do. But I'd rather not assume and check than have anything happen to you. There'd be all shades of torn up if I lost you. Answer. You're my much smarter bro." The blond human gave me a hearty slap on the back, Then I tried to shake off the slight stinging sensation from that affectionately-intentioned gesture. He was fresh in my mind. how Slanek had declared that he had predator disease and outright stated that he was aggressive and unstable. My short fuse was something I recognized as a problem, but I was nothing like that venal. It was a good to know Tyler would check on me and then I could talk to him about anything. When I had confessed all of the varied baggage about my Hensa after Silas, prompted by the sight of a Dino, my exchange partner had been sympathetic and supportive. Tyler might not seem like it from the outside, but he's just a soft guy. He's been helpful in letting me express and address my feelings for the first time since the Federation arrived. No predator or prey behavior shtick, just acceptance. I jogged down the sidewalk, not wanting to remain sidetracked. Nah, just build rockets, Tyler. Anyone can do that. Don't rub it in now. Save that remark for Sovlin, Tyler pouted. Speaking of that racist old Gojit, you'll never believe this, but you know that axle I was guarding? Sovlin started lobbying for the UN to let Vycinth enlist like she wanted to. Ah, uh, I'm not that gullible. It's true. Obviously, we can't have Vycinth on a ship with other herbivore crew, even if it wouldn't piss off the Dominion. Sov'lan's on latrine duty for the entire trip over, so be sure to rub it in his face. Aliens gotta learn to respect orders. You don't get a damn pass every other day. Don't go lumping me in with the witless feds. All aliens aren't like that. I've never disobeyed an order. Now, this is my one chance to show you around, Rinser, and I'm glad to regurgitate everything I know. Wouldn't have it any other way. The unlucky Terran was subjected to verbose speeches on every landmark. Within present, my sadness over the cultural losses was a blip on my mental radar. I pointed out a tail twine theatre, which had a bustling ticket booth. Crowds had poured out in droves to see the classic play, which had been running for over a week now. The entire entertainment district could be refurbished off the proceeds, with the fair being hosted next month. Yodel acrobats were returning, not having performed since the Federation swore off their stunts as senseless, Primitive derangement. Tyler was also shown an unassuming tower of dirt down the road—an auspice field. Yodel would toss a spare seed into the tilled soil, based on an old superstition that it would bring good harvest and fortune. The human didn't mock the practice as unscientific. Instead, he wagged a finger at it, like he recognized it. Surprisingly, despite their scientific advancement, many Terrans believed in luck. I learned that similar concepts, namely wishing wells and fountains with what they threw coins into. I marveled yet again that a capable, advanced species of extraterrestrials could hold on to past practices. We got stuff we think's bad luck, Tyler added, walking under ladders, breaking mirrors, opening umbrellas inside. Sometimes as random as the number 13 or seeing a black cat. No rhyme or reason. You guys got anything like that? Um... I noticed that I was passing the old, now shuttered predator disease facility where that awful fossil doctor had treated me. Though I knew this had once been a cutting-edge factory, I would rather talk about luck than this accursed building. It's bad luck to get rainwater in your ears. Something about stealing it from the plants. It's also bad luck to look at the sundial without light shining on it. So, not at night or in a storm. Yeah, some people are superstitious enough to cover sundials up in the evening or when they see clouds on the horizon. I don't really believe in such things, but there's no reason to tempt fate, just in case. Same. It's easy enough to not limbo my way under a ladder. I glanced back over my shoulder in the other direction from Tail Twine Theatre. The research campus where Sarah Rosario had invited me to join her Hensa preservation team was that way. Tyler would be elated to meet a Hensa and learn about the project, but I didn't want to explain what I'd forsaken to re-up with his squad. The last thing I sought was for my friend to feel guilty over a choice I made of my own volition. That passing also was a direction of my father's current work site, where his crew were building a gun range, but I suspected he'd be ashamed for me to introduce him to a human there. You know where the Federation wouldn't want us to go? The harbour. Tyler used to go fishing with his father, and I used to sail her. I know we both like water. I turned left, zipping towards the harbour. Here is where we end the tour, Tyler. If Mama's boat hadn't gone up in smoke, I'd take you for a ride. The blonde human stepped onto the dock, and I noticed that several of his kind were present in the marina. Few recreational boats were left, with the rows of moored vessels mostly bringing cargo from outside the island. The Federation, contradictory to their goals of preventing deep-sea exploration, seemed to have gone after anything that looked primitive. I guess their priorities got tangled up. Tyler patrolled the length of the boardwalk, and given his enthrallment, I decided my commentary wasn't necessary. The earthling wandered away from the boats, finding a small, sandy strip to admire the vista. A relaxed smile spread across his face, and he removed his shoes and socks. He wiggled his toe in the dull green sand, before wandering closer to the water. I behind him, ignoring the irritating feel of the grits in my fur. How could anyone see how drawn humans were to nature, and think that it was a derivative of some hunting instinct? No other species appreciates beauty as much as the predators. Tyler turned his head to look at me. This is wonderful. I'll tell you what, Anzo. We make it back from Coltian space, and I'll find someone to teach you how to surf. I need to see a yodel hang ten. Something I look forward to on our return. You got a deal, I chuckled. The human flashed his teeth, mirth growing in his blue eyes. With the hours ticking down before our time to ship out, we sat and enjoyed the sound of crashing waves against Lian's shoreline. Together, the two of us could find a way to pull through against any foe. End of chapter. Chapter 146. Memory Transcription Subject. Chief Hunter Issif Arsa Rebellion Command. Date Standardized Human Time, March 5th, 2137. When Vicenth referred to Arxor today as no longer people, I decided the visitation was a lost cause. Secretary General Zhao's directive to liberate Malu would be my focus. We'd have to stumble into morality the old-fashioned way, through trial and error. The humans could guide us down the roads of sophistication and ethics, with the principal backbone that held Earth together in the wake of the raid. As much as I loved Felra, Allowing her to dictate my beliefs and behaviours was neither fitting nor desirable. The first phase to bring down the Colchian Empire was loosening their hold on the Dosa world and thereby sending my friend home. I decided to leave Valra with a human garrison at their fledgling colony in Mazik's space, called Liberty's Bastion. It was unsafe for her to come with us to this vicious battle, when there was a non-zero chance of us being killed in action. A fine ox or commander led by example, providing their medal and relishing the opportunity for a contest of strength. Even if we had been relying on orders from far off, I thought it wise to keep my mind tactically sharp. I couldn't afford to worry about whether Faro wanted a lesky's beef jerky while plasma beams were sizzling around us. The Terran guards would be more disciplined without the cute rodent around too. I had faith that they could conduct themselves well under peril. I observed the trusted Axel I'd called onto the bridge, filling in vital stations, and considered what this meant for my legitimacy. Forty thousand ships, that's the number the humans gave me, for the original forces that seized Maloo. I gazed out the viewport at the fleet I commanded. The thick armor of Axel warships merited respect, alongside the punishing twin plasma guns that could skewer an opposing vessel the rotund belly of our vessels broke out the otherwise angular build. Missiles were stuffed into the underside as we shared the affinity for toting explosives with the Terrans. A traditional Federation ship would have cowered at the sight of our firepower, but the secret fleet of the Colchians had an answer for all of our inventions. Standing aboard a craft of the aforementioned make, I felt woefully exposed. Coordinating disruptions against Dominion targets was one thing. They weren't expecting resistance, and they didn't have any tools at their disposal that we couldn't predict. Waging a battle against a superior enemy, with the ragtag martyr at my disposal, was daunting. Proper warships didn't comprise the entirety of my force, as we had to rely on anything with a drive that fell into our jaws. The Terrans had parted with some of their smaller or obsolete craft that they had no use for which did little but pad our space-worthy ranks. Stolen arcs or transports, retrofitted with guns, were lacking in maneuverability, firepower, and armor. The classic, intimidating warships were the few the captains had been bribed into stealing. The other ship classes were designed with the intent of bringing soldiers to the ground to take a planet, not for exchanging blows with an advanced fleet of drones. Zhao had promised to support us, but was hoping humanity had said something substantial to our aid. We needed any assistance we could get. Taking serious losses might as well be total defeat, with our limited numbers. The strategies I devised would also need to be good enough to outfox the Colchians. ''Chief Hunter, there is an incoming transmission from the Yodel technocracy. Shall I feed it?'' Oleski Bonaderenko asked. I glanced up from my honor display. Please do. The humans have requested that we aid you in retaking Malu. We have been amassing an armada since the Battle of Earth, with aid from the Terran engineers, and feel that the vessels are ready for deployment. Two thousand nearly minted ships will warp in just behind your position. We'll advance in your signal and see how our weaponry fares in action. So, uh, this is the first battle for these Yotel ships, crewed fully by Yotel, without human intercession, yes? This is how Zo interpreted me asking for assistance. The tail end of the message says that more help is on the way, sir. A growl rumbled in Keisel's throat at the sensor station. We all know how well the Brave Age war. Our numbers are barely above a five-digit range. If the humans expect us to push forward, uncertain we can create a decisive edge. We must rethink our strategy. Yes, I appreciate your input, Geisel. I trust you to preside honorably over your station. Humans, do you have any ideas of what this other help might look like? I cannot feel confident in aiding forces' abilities when it's all militaries of former Federation members. Lisa Reynolds glanced up from a briefing report. I have been in touch with my UN contacts. As I understand it, the Dirty and Homogeny are not responding, even to Sapient Coalition parties that aren't us. It's possible that they're ignoring us, but given their involvement in the assassination plot, it's suspected that Kalkwa is under siege. A show of force, a warning. Nikonus might have been in the league with Kisnel, but his death changes little. I would not be surprised if Dirtian incurred a full Wrath of the Federation, even with their so-called shield. They stand little chance against the Shadow Fleet. I agree, and I don't know what they are thinking. All I know is that they were livid about having their free thought brainwashed away. Humanity, despite our differences, we would likely bail the Dirtian out if they asked. With their hatred for us, they would sooner see their world burn than invite the predators into their territory. Why do you side with and help the very species that despise you? Keisel demanded. I agree with the runt, my nostrils flared, as the yodels from the ships arrived on queue. Human empathy could be directed to undeserved places at times. If the Federation weren't a greater threat, and it were possible to secure Earth's obliteration— I hazard a guess that the Dirtian would do so without question. Oleg shrugged. We need more ships fighting for us and less ships fighting against us. Simple. Keep your friends close and your enemies closer. The Dirtian have unusual motives, but humanity always holds out hope of a species warming to us. We didn't want to fight everyone like this, Lisa said. Look at all that's happened. The Dozer have been occupied for months for the crime of befriending us. We have to break the stalemate here and now. No matter what, we have the human forces that are deadlocked here in the system, holding the line as we speak. What we've got isn't even a third of the total size of their fleet, but it has to be enough to turn the tide. I suppose it does, Olek, I sighed. Thank the Yodel for their aid and patch them into our comms. We'll see very soon if they're at all competent. Yes, sir. The Yotel vessels were visible on the viewport and had a different aesthetic from any craft I'd seen before. There was some mild displeasure on the rebellion's channels over integrating with herbivore forces. The technocracy's commanders seemed capable of mobilizing craft into formation, though it was their combat readiness we all doubted. If the supposed reinforcements turned tail and fled when the gunfire commenced, I'd have some scathing remarks for Zhao once this was over. It was my hope that the humans knew what they were doing. If the Terrans hadn't proved themselves to my men at Fall, I suspect I'd hear more objections. After that demolition, saving our hides, the U.N. could put a Sisala in charge of an armada and receive only grumbles from our people. Humanity has earned our trust. Olek told me that humanity was involved in designing these vessels, which meant that the Yotel warships could be more devious than they seemed at first glance. The strange shapes and features of the unknown classes suggested something was up with them. Conspiracy-loving Bondarenko adjusted his glasses, seeming to read a message on a com station. Kaiser's posture stiffened by the senses, and I passed that our other assistants had arrived. My tail lashed with expectancy, waiting for one of those two to fill me in on the new development. One thousand new contacts on screen... IDs as human drones, Kaisel announced. Oleg scratched his chin scruff. Uh, Can confirm. I received the communique with the info needed to relay commands to the drones. They're human, but we've entrusted them to your overarching directives. That's not as many as I'd hope Earth would send, but I suppose you have little left to give, I mused. Very well, place them on the front lines and forward our planned course. The human drones deciphered the gist of my plan and maneuvered their way to our leading edge. I could see that the Coltian occupiers had detected our arrival, though they couldn't afford to break off from their current engagements. A lapse in a deadlock line would allow for the Terran drones in-system, already pressing, to make headway. A worrisome issue crossed my mind as I watched opposing beams traverse wide swaths of space. With the only sizable man contingents being from my rebellion and the Yertle, which foot soldiers would clear mildew of enemy troops. If we liberate the system, I hope the humans will supply ground forces, Hawks or landing will be perceived as a raid, and I wouldn't expect Herbivore soldiers like the Yotel to be able to drive out the trained military. My focus was on executing the battle plan I'd devised. When my skeptical commanders relayed an openly disdainful explanation to the Yotel, the Herbivores acted as if they understood. It had been conveyed in terms suited for a toddler, since that was about where the Federation's military competency stacked up. Despite the disadvantages we faced, I had to remember that this was for Falra. My best friend's people were subjugated, and while she never complained, I knew that had to weigh on her mind. The Arcs or Rebellion's commanders followed my orders without question, with the obsequiousness and reverence owed to a chief hunter. It was simpler to mingle with my people without Falra admiring my image. But the cruel acts I'd committed in the past hadn't escaped my underlings' memory. After witnessing my interactions, they'd seen defective behavior that didn't align with that history. I had to prove that I could be a respected commander without cruelty. It was just not about retaining their loyalty, but also being able to interact with other Arxor as equals. Vysith had reminded me that the true shamefulness stemmed from not acting empathetic enough. We're keeping our strategies as simple as can be. Approach the skirmish line from a wide angle and split the caution's attention, I ordered. With any luck it'll disorder their formation, and give the Terran forces already present a chance to break through for the kill. Kaiser was busy highlighting each Yotel ship on the senses. If these prey crude vessels can't commit to a simple flanking pass, they're dead weight. I know. I'm not counting on the Yotel to do much more than draw fire off of us, which is fine by me. "'Onward!' In strict formation, the fleet careened into the outskirts of the action and coasted in for bird's-eye view of the Colchian forces. Thousands of automatons were warding off the primates, having kept the battle well outside Maloo's sanctum. The hum of our engines in the floor was tame now, but we were ready to burn hard to swoop across the foe's exposed side. Our weapon station was locked and loaded as soon as we got within optical range of the enemy fleet." I strapped into the commander's chair in case the inertial dampers were pushed too far during combat. The enemy drones definitely spotted us, because the nearest elements pivoted towards us to prepare for an onslaught. An AI's omnidirectional view trumped even the most ranged periphery of herbivores. A few foes lunged forward towards the existing Terran line, in an attempt to dissuade the friendly automatons from pushing ahead and capitalizing on our arrival. I was grateful that the vessel leading in our charge were a handful of reinforcement drones Zao coughed up. I prefer that they absorbed the worst of the hostile fire, rather than a ship with lives aboard. I didn't dislike the Yotel, and despite mistrusting their competency, that was a guilty by association view. I respect how they try to act brave. That's half of actually having bravado, yes? Of all the parties at the summit that have heard my speech... Only one ex-fed was willing to work with me. With an enemy force engaged in a 90-degree angle to our approach vector, we pushed the thruster's full burn. Numerous Colchian craft had reoriented their weapons to face us, anticipating the greater threat from our flanking force raking their line. If the onboard programs were aware the lead commander was in Oxor, I suppose I'd been predictable. Our reputation indicated that I'd choose an aggressive course of action. Simple maneuvers amid a crowded battlefield were proven across eons. Attempting to outwit a machine with faster decision-making power was an exercise in futility. Unless you were a delusional Terran. Their spontaneity and wild ideas were nothing if not unpredictable. It was both the genius and that arrangement. Lisa's eyes were focused on our human allies, Sir, I recommend we keep our movement vectors clear of any friendly fire, nanotron swarms, or shield breakers. With your permission, I'll keep combat stations apprised of such deployments and affected radius. Good idea. Fifty seconds to first volley. We are not to stumble into friendly munitions, but we will not shy away from an engagement, yes? I hissed. Ola cracked his knuckles. We're back where Lisa and I first met you, Chief Hunter. Those military black budgets had to turn up something useful, huh? Let's get it done. Subordinate oxen on the bridge maintained submissive postures, though I could see a zeal for bringing down the caution in many eyes. Niconos had partnered with the oppressive betterment office to ensure that our kind would never seek peace. That was enough to spawn a growl from my own chest. With narrowed eyes and a surge of adrenaline, I soaked in every detail— The bulk of the Colchian drones remained locked in their struggle with Terran opposites, and 13,000 rebel-controlled ships were barreling towards the enemy poorly defended flank. Could a shadow fleet of drones withstand the initial onslaught, long enough for manned Colchian reinforcements to reach them from Maloo? Any commanders knew that there was nothing easy about overcoming five digits' worth of ships. The drones under my oversight led the way, weaving through the enemy fire with mechanical precision. Our marder glided behind them as the ballooning explosions rocked the lines of both parties. My warship was insulated from the brunt of the fray, but we were vigilant for any munitions that slipped through the cracks. Salvos of missiles were being traded like claw swipes, deflecting and landing based on the receiving party's situational awareness. Debris littered the system from the months-long battle, and we were only adding to it. Disabled ships drifted helplessly along the vectors when maneuvering power was lost. Navigation and threading hazards I've located to avoid collisions, Keisel barked. Lisa's head snapped towards him. I haven't seen any shield breakers coming from the UN line, but they're pushing forward to take advantage of distraction. Many cautions of shield outages, so I can assume that occurred well before our arrival. I drew a measured breath. Thank you. Adjust trajectory as needed and await my orders to fire on any important foes. Our vessel wove around the wreckage of the eviscerated enemy craft, and our plasma guns sizzled in wait of Kaisel's next target offering. The rebel ships weren't as nimble as hostile drones, but our heavy hitters packed more firepower. Twin rail guns from warships scorched the flesh of nearby foes, taking advantage of the shields that were downed in lieu of our arrival. The Terran Armada was surging forward all along the defensive line, rallied by the obvious devastation we'd sown. A pair of Colchian drones collided, overwhelmed by the combined crossfire, and we were gift-wrapped an easy shot against another short-circuiting defender. I ensured that my outward stoic professionalism, despite my internal celebration, as our plasma tore a gash in the enemy's circuitry. The auxil portion of the plan was going swimmingly, But I noticed warring movement in the wings. Rather than playing a supporting role, the yodel had separated from our fangs and were spreading out across the caution lines. Why were they breaking formation? Those herbivores should have let the Predator's militaries handle this. We couldn't have the humans' long-awaited chance to break through ruined by bumbling incompetence. With the feeling that I was watching a disaster in motion, I diverted my focus to the Theocracy's ships going off on their own the Coltians were bound to teach the Massifials a lesson in humility. End of chapter Chapter 147 Henry Transcription Subject Chief Hunter Isip, Oxol Rebellion Command Date Standardized Human Time, March 1st, 2137 The Yodel warships had split from our formation and attracted the ire of the Coltian drones. It was impressive, in a way that herbivores were able to organize proper movements. But this demonstrated reckless abandon. These craft were fresh from Lian's shipyards and weren't automated like the enemy. No biologic could reach decisions as quickly as a computer. Terrans could circumvent this by stumping the onboard programs with new technologies and strategies. Yet, it was absurd to anticipate exceptional advances from the vegetation-munching species who hadn't shown war mastery. The enemy drones swiveled their railguns with perfect precision, and plasma lances pulled out from the barrels as the Yodel drew close. The marsupials were unflinching. They seemed to be flying themselves directly into the weapon's path. Were these technocracy pilots suicidal, or did they assume out of inexperience that shields would prevent any damage from seeping through? My eyes zeroed in on one allied vessel, knowing I couldn't get my own people killed to bail out herbivores dabbling in stupidity. An arc of brilliance was racing to greet the vessel, which was forging ahead with no thought of self-preservation. These yodel vessels were strangely shaped, looking more like a cube than sleek aerodynamic contraption. The blocky form made it more of a target rather than one that could twirl away or place lengthy guns along the slender back. With an inbound munition hellbent on its demise, the technocracy ship bobbed as if though it was riding on a wave, and the hull plating, unclasped before my eyes, revealing a normal-looking craft below. The metal shell propelled itself into the plasma beam, immolating while the ejected fuselages remained intact. The outer layer acts as a decoy against the targeting systems, but the key mechanisms can break from the hold. Where away primitive rockets detach stages after their purpose is fulfilled. Were humans involved in building these total ships? The leaner boat released from within the shell had its weapons ready, though it wasn't utilizing traditional plasma, kinetic or explosives. The Yotel's chosen weaponry was almost like a cannon protruding from its belly, but there was no trace of any visible munitions being fired. The flash was only perceptible as something struck the Colchian drones, scorching their hull from the close-range vantage point. It was an invisible force which seemed to leap across space in an instant like it was traveling close to the speed of light in real space. Without shields, the enemy was unprotected from the heat generated from my readout from the unseen impact. The enemy drone I was focused on wasn't alone in having its plating liquefied and the sensitive circuitry within fried in seconds. There was nothing the Colchians could do to fight back or defend themselves. They were blindsided by this vicious innovation. Though our foe's initial count had been 10,000 strong, they were dropping like flies. With my rebels and the Terran line hounding them, the automatons began a hasty retreat. The disbelief over the yodel showing was palpable on my bridge, and the arcs or voices on the comms channels chastising the marsupials for venturing off had died down. Kaiser looked astonished. How could prey have come up with a new weapon? What are they even doing? I do not know, but I see that humans have not led us astray with their chosen reinforcements, I remarked. Molek, Lisa, can you offer any insight on this development? Molek whipped around with his signature, I knew it, grin on his face. Particle beam weapons. This is what the death ray that melted the Grand Gulf reactor was. I looked into the proof of a ton. We've had them since 1989. Charge up in a particle accelerator and shoot quantum shit near the light speed, and voila. Molek is off in crazy land again. But he is right about what it is. According to my contacts, Lisa sighed. The Yodel worked closely with the UN on their shipbuilding and apparently were able to make a feasible ion cannon. Unlike lasers, a particle beam can't be reflected, and even with shields up, the charged particle disrupts the current. Kaiser relaxed his posture. I see. It is a human development that you gave the prey because you do foolish things like that. We worked hand-in-hand hand on this, just like you. Uh, you know who we worked in tandem with when we came up with the shield disruptors? The Yodel. They've been excellent, not only to bounce ideas off of, but to expand on what we've given them. Perhaps these herbivores are more capable than any of us assumed. Humanity always had an ability to see species for what they really are. It is remarkable. This makes taking Malu much more feasible. With less worry begging down my heart over the arcs of lives that would be lost in the battle, I ordered our vessels to press the advantage. The Colchians had given up fending off the Terrans they'd been in stalemate with, and were getting overrun as they retreated. The Yotel took a few hits, despite their crafty countermeasures, but their particle beams or surrendered missiles lobbed at them useless. More than once, I saw warheads erupt well before their intended target, picked off like scyzars in a riverbank, The particle accelerators didn't seem to have the cooldown requirements that standard plasma weapons did either. The Gaulsians fired off parting shots as their numbers dwindled. Few enemies had escaped the Yotel's invisible net, but their ships disabled within seconds. Our weapon station was scouring for stragglers and I saw our gunners take some iffy shots in the hopes of scoring kills. The Axel vessels had been outshone, though our sheer numbers helped to clean up any remaining foes. However there was still a chance to test our prowess by Malu itself. I wouldn't expect the resounding success that we had against the battle line. Now, their particle beams weren't a surprise. Still, with my 13,000 ships and the Terran's long-present drones, there was a good chance that we could come out ahead. There's 40,000 ships total, I announced. So there's loads more waiting at Malu's heart and foot soldiers occupying the land. Let's go hunt them down. Kaisel issued an awkward tail lash. Um, what should we say to the Yodel, sir? I'll handle it. I switched on my microphone, tuning into the joint comms for a brief second. This is Chief Underasif. I wanted to congratulate the Yodel technocracy on a well fought battle. Might I add that we are delighted that you are on our side? A few barks of laughter came in response so much for being primitives that are beneath the wider galaxy. The Yotel will never be mocked or taken for granted by anyone after today. We'll lead the way to Maloo. You deserve to champion the hunt. I shall be quite pleased when the doser are fully liberated, and only then. But I wish to acknowledge your display of acumen. Good fortune. I switched off my transmitter and did a brief survey of my bridge team. There had been a handful of crumbles when I agreed to let the herbivores lead, but... It was the all way for the strongest to take charge. I disliked that the newcomers to the galaxy had already leg up my fleet, though I didn't expect Zhao to work so closely to provide us weapons. The waters were muddied in terms of any relations between humanity and us. We couldn't afford to be complacent anymore. A new goal of the Rebellion needed to be what the Yodel and the Terrans had achieved, bringing together scientists that could innovate and grow our technology. We did it once, before science was distorted field, and we were steered towards a forever war. Gizno didn't want us to get stronger, but I wished to see us victorious. Technology could be the key field in helping us beat the Dominion. If we can't get the Terran's help soon enough. My ragtag band of rebel ships mobilized behind the Yodel craft. The detectable, blocky layers of marsupials had sported were gone, but having lost only a few dozen ships... I trusted them to find new ways to stay effective. Geisel was busy combing senses as Olek turned to the focus to the comms array to broadcast from the planet. I squinted at the scruffy human, whose expression had shifted in an instant, knowing I had time before reaching the system's heart. I wandered over to his station to peek at his viewing materials. What is the issue, Olek? I asked. The human pursed his lips. Sir, the DOS are claiming that they have control of their broadcast channels again, The Colchians packed up in shop and just uh, left the occupation, with quite a few local prisoners in tow. Apparently, they target troublemakers. Lisa cleared her throat, with absentmindedly fiddling with the brown locks. I'm hearing the same thing. My UN contacts are telling me that the local governments re established contact, and that they are being appraised by Ambassador Elar's decision to join the Sapien Coalition. I see. The Colchians are fleeing, surrendering the planet, and acknowledging they lost, I hissed. That is excellent news. Thara will be pleased. There's not much we can do about the dose of prisoners, but there's no way the enemy can initiate a total evacuation and vacate the system before we get there. Perhaps the Yodel can disable and board the prisoner ships and. Sir, sorry to interrupt, but that's the thing, sir. It seems they started making preparations to leave and uh, left days ago, Olek mumbled. Kaisel smacked his tail on the floor. I have adjusted the sensor settings and observed the breadth of the planet's spaceports on the viewport. At maximum magnification, there is not a trace of any Colchian ships left here, sir. I can detect some subspace trails, suggesting they left within the hour. Malu is free. I narrowed my eyes. That does not make sense. They started leaving days in advance of our arrival. The Colchians would not have expected a thorough transit. It must have been some ulterior motive. Yes. The fact that they continued to hold us at bay is telling, Lisa mused aloud. They didn't want us to know that they were gone. We are only picking up the communications now, so the drones were jamming various channels. Why keep up the illusion? Unless you don't want humanity to know your 30,000 ships have relocated. Oleg's brown eyes widened with realization. Holy shit! They left because they were given orders to attack somewhere else. The question is, where have they gone? I haven't a clue, but I suggest we relay a warning to the United Nations. My head turned towards Oleg, and the human seemed to pick up on the message to open a channel. Your intelligence may be a better idea of this, yes? It is also your jurisdiction how to proceed. With the Louvre, Zhao will wish to hear of our success. Already on it, sir, give me a moment. I did my best to avoid crowding the human mail, though I was impatient for him to pass me along to the Secretary General. With this new information in mind, there were decisions to be made about what roles the rebel fleet should play. From what Keisel imparted, we had just missed intercepting the Colchians, since they had warped out murals before. We could follow the subspace trails and see where they led. The goal of this mission was already accomplished, with Valra's world liberated. But I was torn over whether to intervene. Zal's words from our conversation about the war plans were still fresh in my mind. Should the tables turn at Malou, I imagine the Colchians are building their time to hit human territory. We know that they want to cure us, so I'd find the use of biological weapons against civilian populace likely, the Secretary General had said. The last thing that Earth wanted was a repeat of the months-long hostage situation in the system, but with human prisoners in tow. Regardless of what actions I'd personally take, I needed to pass along a warning about Zal's speculation looking more like prophecy. Perhaps the death of Nikonus had accelerated the Coltion's aggressive timeline. Or perhaps his successor carried out what was already planned. Either way, Vidal Prime and Earth should be on their guard for any incursions. I donned a look of seriousness as Oleg beckoned me over to the screen. The Secretary General was staring back with interest in his brown eyes. Hello, Isav. I hear your mission at Malu has been a massive success, sir. I've been in touch with the Zerillians, and their doctors and aid workers are en route from Colia," he said. However, I'm hearing that the Coltians left before your arrival. I chuckled. As usual, you know things before they have been relayed. General Jones's department, yes. In this instance, it was simple enough to piece together a timeline of events. But Malou able to reach out to us. We've been in communication with our people aboard your ship too. Regardless. "'Congratulations on your success. "'There are many bright-eyed humans "'toasting your accomplishment back here on Earth. "'The United Nations appreciates your help. "'We would have sent more to fight alongside you, "'but uh, we're stretched thin.' "'I know, Mr. Secretary-General. "'I'm not sure I ever misjudged someone so thoroughly "'as I did the Yotel. "'You sent us worthy fighters. "'That was enough aid, and it pains me to profess. "'But it was the reason for our success.' My wish to get into contact to appraise you of these developments and also to warn you that the cautions may have left to attack another target it should be seen to that venal prime earth and anywhere else that is strategically important to humans is vigilant i swore a promise that not one more civilian would perish on earth not under my watch twenty percent of the deaths during the attack were in my own nation i lost family like many other people and for that I'll do anything to protect Earth. I have done everything I could think of to protect Sol, and there are no lines that I wouldn't cross to keep us safe. Skulga is also under our umbrella of protection. The Vendel are treasured by humanity. You need not worry. Good. I do not know whether I should pursue the cautions and offer aid. Zal's eyes, which had darkened during his previous remarks, rolled in thought. Yes, sir. You've done as much as you've promised to do. I won't ask any more of you. If you wish to help, we'd welcome your assistance. And your swift response time could make a difference. The Yodel have already agreed to chase the subspace trails and continue the battle wherever the Colchians have gone. What course of action do you wish to pursue? That depends on where they are attacking. Do you have any guesses? I, uh, I have a sneaking suspicion, but I generally have no desire to manipulate you. Please, whatever my colleagues might do, know that I respect your goals and autonomy. You are blunt and forthright with your aims. I find that to be respectable quality in most instances, except when your aims are perpendicular to my own. Fortunately, we find ourselves in agreement of our peaceful aspirations. Is that not correct? We both seek a long-lasting peace for all species. First off, I don't know this. It's based off my interpretation of the data. But my best guess for where the Coltians are heading is Liberty's Bastion. Since the Federation, it symbolizes predator expansion outside our own space. The human worlds. are caused my heart to spike, hearing that my dose of friend was in the line of fire again. To be clear, I've asked the mazik patrolers to fortify our defenses, and we're moving colonists off-world. Now, before you worry about Valra, I got in touch with her hosts and evacuated them. You don't need to swoop in and rescue her. Why would you bring my friend to safety before tending to your people? Valra doesn't take a spot from a human. She's tiny. She can fit in a cup holder. You could have left the dosser there and manipulated me into helping. It would benefit you strategically. I don't want to win that way. Or to treat humanity's friends as tools. Like I told you on Earth, moral principles give you integrity, but you can't just hold on to them when it's easy or beneficial. I won't abuse emotions or use lives as bartering chips. Remarkable! Zhao could have all but ensured that I would show up at Liberty's Bastion, but he chose to get Pharoah to safety. The Dozer means a lot to me, so perhaps I do owe him a favor in return. I dipped my head in gratitude. Thank you. I'll have my fleet follow the subspace trails with haste. We'll chase the Colchians to liberty's passion, or wherever they may be heading. Your aid is appreciated. I promise I'll remember this, when it's time for us to bring our full might to your side. You may not be a member of the Sapient Coalition, Isif, but you're just as much of an ally. I desire for you to win. I desire for the Federation to lose even more. Where I'm from, we call that spite. We'll bring their leaders to their knees before the sun sets on this war. There's no stopping what's in motion now. My faith in your abilities. I will be in touch if we have additional intel, or if we need to converse with UN forces at our destination. Take care and fight well, Secretary General Zhao. Just Mings is fine. We're friends. You called Elias by his first name, didn't you? Actually, I refer to Elias Mayer and the sum of his two full names. Human nomenclature is most confusing to the uninitiated. The Terran general chuckled. <laughs> I could see how that could be confusing. Regardless, I won't waste any more of your time. I know you've got to be present while you track those assholes down. Take care. Fight well yourself. The arboreal alien disconnected from the core, and I swept a gaze around the bridge, while I was certain the Axel crew had overheard the bulk of our conversation, there didn't seem to be any objections over following the cautions. We were fortunate to escape Malou with few casualties, largely thanks to the Yotel stepping up. However, we didn't want to be outshone by the plant-eating marsupials, who were willing to come to Earth's aid as often as needed. My goal was to make a positive impression on the United Nations, and I also could respect that they had taken the honourable road with Farrah. Altruism was a novel concept, but it was worth it to attempt to reciprocate the kind gesture. The rebel fleet pressed closer to in inner sanctum, and we locked onto the subspace trails left by the fleeing Colchians. Wherever the Federation planned to strike, my forces would help prevent them from getting their tentacles on any other humans. If there was one thing the Terrans had in common with my entire race, it was that we both had no interest in being cured. End of chapter. Chapter one hundred and forty-eight. Memory transcription subject Anzo Yodel technician specialist. Date standardized human time March seventh twenty-one thirty-seven. The auburn hair, cut just above her shoulders, was all I could see while staring intently at the back of Samantha's head. The Aussie UN guard was brewing her daily cup of coffee, a routine I've observed for multiple days. I had a perfected plan to spur her into action. When she turned around, my analysis of human behavior was conclusive on exactly what poked their buttons. The Terran turned around to find the yodel hovering behind her. I struck a pose as soon as her jade-green eyes narrowed. I tilted my head, ensuring that my eyes stretched as wide as possible, my ears slanted inward enough to touch, and my tail wagging in a half-hearted motions. "'What the fuck are you doing?' Samantha hissed. "'Not even using your words. You want coffee. Brewed you on your own. You know how?' I emitted a whine of a wounded animal and lowered my head in the saddest way possible. My eyes shifted up briefly, gauging the human's reaction. I'm not doing it, you lazy fuck. The human waved a dismissive hand at me and crossed her arms. Try to manipulate me with your puppy dog face. Unbelievable! I'll tell you this once. You're playing a dangerous game there, mate. I struggled to maintain my act. Coffee, please. I have to strain my back legs because of your counter height. Now get your bloody steps to want to stand on, but I'm not making it for you. Who taught you this? Knock it off, because you're not getting coffee out of it. Hey, come on. A taller soldier with angular features pointed at hand at me. I vaguely remembered his name as Frank. Give the space coffee bar some coffee. You're making him sad. Fuck no. You're so keen on it, you can wait on him hand and foot. Sensing that I had a new mark. I wagged my tail happily and started bouncing up and down. Frank pressed a hand to his heart, cooing at me. A disgusted Samantha, stomped off, carrying her own coffee to an empty table. There was a hint of a smirk on her lips, though she attempted to mask it. I flicked my pupils in the direction of the machine and returned to shameless begging. It was mind-bogglingly how easy it was to influence so-called predators. Smug satisfaction filled my chest as the newcomer hopped to it. Oh, you poor thing. That mean lady didn't want to share, but Uncle Frankie's got you. The aroma wafted into the air as a prude, and I could already feel the pick-me-up working its way through my bloodstream. Do you want sugar? Cupcake? I imitated a human nod in case he turned around. Please? Okay, uh, what else do we got for the precious here, uh? Non-dairy creamer? Sure, thanks. Any time, lordy. You're adorable as those scogeat kids. It's not fair. My mask slipped for half a second, wondering which Gojit kids Frank was talking about. Had he been on the ground during the cradle's fall? Regardless, I couldn't afford to get too chatty, given that I was slated to help out with maintenance soon. I loved tinkering with machines, and there were always minor repairs and calibrations needed during transit. It was an extra duty I was happy to volunteer myself for. The computer had alerted us to the nanometers-wide hull bridge, right beneath the drive core. It could weaken the load-bearing structure they've left unchecked, and unfortunately, that area of the ship was only accessible from the outside. By the time we stop outside Colchian Borders and await orders, I need to be ready to venture out in a little spacewalk. It'll be wonderfully quiet. Frank poured the coffee into a disposable cup, stirred a packet of sugar into it, and then dispensed a helping of creamer to make it taste more like a treat. The Terran slipped the drink into his sleeve, so I wouldn't burn my paw pads, too. My begging act ended the soon that it was transferred into my grasp. I scurried off to a brief ear flick of acknowledgement. What else could I get humans to do with that routine? Outside of my areas of interest, there were quite a few tasks I'd be delighted to shirk. This was an eye-opening discovery that I needed to experiment with further. "'Pow yourself, you little rascal,' Sam grumbled as I approached her table. "'Didn't even tell the guy thanks.' I sloped down a mouthful of coffee. An ear flick is thanks. Uh Uh-huh. I'll be telling Tyler about this juvenile stunt. It's not acceptable behavior. I think taking advantage of humans being suckers is more acceptable than Sovlin inventing new forms of racism. The Terran snorted. Point taken. I still think you're a jackass. No, I'm a yodel. Oh, feck you. Feck you too. (laughs) I guess this is as good as alien interaction gets. A mutual volley of feck yous. We created a nice bonding ritual here. But on a more serious note, I was surprised to see that you returned Distant Carlos seemed more attached to Sovlin than you, yet you're both along for the ride. I don't dislike Baldy, but I didn't tag along for him. Melbourne doesn't exist anymore. I have nothing to return to. I'm here because it's all I got. Hunting the Colchians down, Carlos is the one who probably came out of loyalty. Maybe even brotherly love for Sovlin. And he's also the one you should have pulled your coffee-begging act on. That might be a good idea if if Frank's not around. I got a feeling that he won't mind helping out again. Samantha rolled her eyes, sipping at her coffee at a leisurely pace. Meanwhile, I began chugging my latte with gluttonous energy. Her binocular gaze shifted to the droplets dripping off my chin. The human shook her head in disappointment. I gulped down the last of my and slammed the empty cup down. The female primate wordlessly passed me a napkin, which I used to clean my snout. Peacekeeper Harris seemed to be biting back a comment on my table manners. I pitched my trash into the waste bin. Just out of curiosity, Sam, how close was my begging to working? That'll never work on me, the human muttered. Why not? I thought I got the pitiful eyes down pat. You want to see it again? Feck no. Scram, Anzo. You did feel us drop out of warp, huh? Go be useful. I gave an innocent wave and Samantha purposely turned her body away from me. Chuckling to myself, I skipped from the rec room to the nearest airlock. It took some persistence to wriggle into the Yodel spacesuit. With multiple sapien coalition species amongst the ship's crew, the United Nations carried vac suits tailored for each race listed aboard, with at least a few spares in case of defects. I pulled up a small readout on my wrist, sinking it to my holopad. A beacon showed the exact location the computer had given for the breach, so... That just left ejecting to the ship's exterior to complete the repairs. I ran through the required Visual 360 to ensure that no other people were within the airlock before sealing the compartment. Various tools were already affixed to my belt, but I did the diligence of triple-tug checking the tether hooked onto it as well. Once all items were confirmed to be secure, I held my paw over the atmosphere catch button. After the hatch cycled, I gave myself a slight push into the starry expanse. My suited form drifted over the body of the ship in the drive's direction. It was a short glide, and the handholds distributed along key paths should steer me if additional momentum was needed. I relished the feeling of weightlessness, surveying the serene panorama out of my periphery. My sense of utter insignificance blossomed, with only a few layers of fabric between me and the everlasting void. It was only the faint glimmer of this distant starlight, rendering the metal of the ship's hull a shadowy slope. It's an entire length stretched over a hundred meters, leaving plenty of space for humans to tuck powerful weaponry. I'd chosen an airlock a short distance away from the drive compartment on purpose. It was best not to waste thruster gas or oxygen, in case it was needed in a future emergency. Tapping a microphone button on my wrist readout, I transmitted a message back to the ship. 9.30 seconds out from the repair site. This will be patched in no time, I said. Samantha's voice filtered into my helmet. Copy that, Anzo. I'll stay on this frequency and be waiting outside the airlock as requested. Just don't expect a picnic lunch when you return. Pretzel sticks and a jar of peanut butter will do. Well, you've got two perfectly good legs, and you fecking know where to find whatever food your conniving heart desires. Now get off the shuttle, lest you get any official business. Right, right, well, I officially want off. I tugged on my tether, slowing my glide and directing myself towards the source of the hull breach. It was nearly impossible to see with the naked eye. But the above-expected dip in chips oxygen levels substantiated the computer's findings. A moment's inspection identified the breach, which revealed itself as a subtle line of differential-colored metal. I popped a can of sedent off my belt, causing it to float up slightly. It had its own tether attached to it, onto my suit. After filling the microscopic hole, I covered it in a colored patch that fused itself onto the hull. The simple handiwork solved the problem without a hitch, until we could seek a thorough repair. I tugged on my tether, propelling myself back towards the airlock. It was rare that spacewalks were necessary for repairs, since most areas were accessible from the interior. However, issues in general were becoming a common experience during our voyage. This warship had seen significant wear and tear so even with Earth's desperation from artillery, I wondered if the United Nations would retire it soon. This hasn't come close to a worst-case scenario. When unrepaired damage was substantiated during combat, sometimes entire compartments had to be sealed off. I was pleased that my initiative had saved us from taking such steps. My paw drifted to the microphone button on my wrist, tempted to jab Samantha with my status report. Yeah, I should have said the word pretzels aloud. I was joking, but now I actually want them. They're a good gaming food. If you'll stay put here for, you know, for long enough for a session with Tyler. My nostrils twitch with amusement. Hey, Sammy. Surprisingly, the human didn't cut me off to strike down that nickname. Onzo, get back in here now, whether the repairs are done or not. Already moving. What's wrong? Energy signatures out of nowhere. Bastards must have predicted our course, and that we'd stop before the disruptor buoys. I think they powered down their fecking ships and parked them outside out of their own territory. You know, to ambush us, cause there's hostiles practically right next to us. You don't want to be out there if we... Uh, ...have to take evasive maneuvers or get hit, I got it. And I was already heading back, double time it. You crazy fecking marsupial, I'll be right there." I powered up my jet thrusters, accelerating my movement towards the airlock. With visibility to no longer being an issue for stealth reasons, given that the Colcians were already upon us. Our warships powered on bright exterior lights to illuminate nearby hostiles. One beam struck the hull of a foe, which was gliding adjacent to us at minimum power emissions. They'd snuck into position without attracting attention. Rather than striking us down, they appeared to be preparing to insert a boarding party. Their craft latched onto the exterior before my watching eyes. I hated Colchians, but I couldn't deny there was a bold move to board a human ship that would, at least, catch the primates off their game, the United Nations had shown that they could adapt under pressure. However, the Shadow Fleet's foot soldiers had yet to clash with Earthling forces. While the Terrans were skilled against other foes, it was unknown how they stacked up against trained Colchians, or how well they could defend their warships from intruders. I needed to get inside, obtain a weapon, and ensure that I wasn't separated from the other troopers. I sucked in a sharp breath, seeing the airlock come into view. Sam, it's me. Open the door now. I turned my shoulder inward and hurtled towards the still-shut inner door. I braced myself to slam into it at high velocity, though I knew obtaining injuries in a clunky spacer was an ideal. Mercifully, my tail latched on to the pole hold, halting by momentum. I could see the whites of Sam's eyes through the window slit, through the control room, as the outer lock clicked shut at her command. Artificial gravity returned to the room. I rolled onto the floor for a rough landing feeling the definite strings of new bruises taking root. Adrenaline helped me bounce to my feet without slowing, and I rushed to shed the suit. Samantha unsealed the inner compartment and shoved a sidearm into my grasp. Take it. We need to get to work our way back to the choke point, or if all else fails, hole up in the bridge with the officers and security detail. Let's go. Onzo, now. Uh, I'm going as fast as I can, I panted, spilling out of the suit like potatoes tumbling from a sack. Would we get cut off from the core of the ship? Then we're on our own. Every soldier had orders to fall back. Hell, the fecking ship might be put down lockdown and we'd be stuck. Why did you wait for me? You should have saved yourself. I don't usually leave my squad mates behind. Not if I like them anyway. It is what it is. We moved out and we deal with it. Samantha didn't wait for further questions. Jogging down the hallway to the rec room, I record exactly where the Colchian soldier's insertion point had been since I sized them up while returning towards the airlock. I knew enemies would be found in the direction that we were heading now. It might serve us to reverse course, but given our orders, it could leave us stranded from our comrades. The key points for the United Nations to hold were the bridge controls and the armory. Everything else could be sealed off to avoid any funny business. The warp drive, as was obvious during my space walk, was inaccessible from the inside. Sparks were visible further down the corridor, the telltale sign of the Colchian scorching an incision into the hull. Samantha crouched behind a table for a moment, weighing her options. The Ewan and I were up against an entire boarding party, and a knew that ended with both of our brains splattered on the wall. There wasn't time to book it past the entry point before they made it inside. The Ewan soldier also opted to fight another day, slinking back in the direction we'd come. I had no idea how we could hope to make it out of one piece, other that attempting to dodge Caution sweeps. How good at stealth and hiding are humans? I've read a bit about guerrilla warfare, but I don't think hit-and-run tactics work in close quarters combat. The primate and I ducked around a corner past the airlock compartment and the clang of the wall coming down echoed behind us. From the footsteps I heard clashing with the floor there must have been dozens of Caution's. It was unthinkable to peek back and find out for certain. I warred with my nerves as it sank in that we were cornered and hopelessly outgunned. It had always been my impression that Tyler and I were have each other's back, but now I just hoped my buddy was safer than I was. It was a fair assumption that he was holed up in the bridge with the other officers. I needed to survive on my own, if nothing else, as a fact due to everyone who called the Yodel primitives. That was the Caution's rhetoric, and I wasn't going to let them put me down like the animal they thought I was. A sharp witted human like Samantha might scrounge up some options for us. I shuddered to think what would happen to her if the boarding party was able to capture a predator alive. Malu's cured earthlings were experimented on and had their central nervous systems drugged to senselessness just like me. I wouldn't wish that existence on my worst enemy. My grip became more secure on the firearm and the resolution took over my mind if there was no escape for me. I planned to go down fighting instead of submitting to a fate of that sort. With any luck, the Terrans would figure out a way to clear the intruders from our warship before it came to such drastic ultimatum. The push towards Arthur certainly hadn't started off as humanity had intended. End of chapter There is a new legend on the horizon. Blueberry Cat has taken the T6 Patreon spot Thank you very much, and I'm sure that I speak for everyone when I say that. I would just like to thank our T5 members, Lord Azricle, Ambrose Cattell, Quantum Wednesday, Dregzoon WRE, Blueberry Cat, Cam Maxwell, Casper Arnholtz, Bushmaster177, and Leslie517. Thank you very much.